Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York, we are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. Before we dive into the show, I just wanted to take a second to let all of our listeners know about our shiny new Patreon page. You can find it over at patreon.com backslash plantcunning. We'll also put a link in the bio to make it easy. So we're excited to be offering some members-only content over there. And if you throw us a few bucks a month, you'll have access to some more duo casts and behind-the-scenes footage. And you'll also be contributing your voice to the direction of the show. So please join us over at Patreon and be one of the first to be a part of the plant cunning community. Episode 23, Considering Cannabis, with herbalist, educator, and author Tammy Sweet. In this episode, we speak with Tammy about the endocannabinoid system, what that is, and why it's so important, about the difference between CBD, marijuana, cannabis, sativa, and indica, what terpenes are, why it's a master plant, how to make medicine with cannabis, and what right respectful relationship with cannabis looks like. We also go into some depth about how you can make your own effective medicine with cannabis, and a little bit about some of the classes and courses that Tammy is offering. I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, welcome, Tammy Sweet, to the Plant Cunning Podcast. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Yay. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. So you're an herbalist and a scientist and educator, grower, general plant person. And our traditional first question is what brought you to the plant path? Mm, Yeah. Um, Well, I I have to credit my mom uh, that kind of the, the refrain of my whole childhood was go outside and play. And, um, and I just happened to live at the end of a dead end street that had all kinds of woods my boundaries growing up my mom would take me out and go you can go this far in the woods this year so I grew up just being outside all the time and when I graduated graduate school I went and worked for Outward Bound for a year taking kids out into the woods and later probably three or four years after that I had a friend who was like hey I'm going to this herbal conference want to come with me and I was like okay sure I'll go um and it was the New England Women's Herbal Conference Mm -hmm. I think it was like in its third or fourth year and I, I I always joke about I had short hair I was a basketball player in college and I showed up and there's all these women in the flowing dresses with long hair and uh and I always say I felt like a tree among all the flowers (laughs) and it was there that every teacher introduced themselves and all of them said that they studied with Rosemary who I didn't know who she was so it was then I was like well I'm gonna go study with the one that they all study with Mm -hmm. and it was the year after that that I did my apprenticeship with Rosemary cool that's that's the beginning of all that and you have a Western science background, right? Yeah. Yep. I went to college, studied biology, and then I went to graduate school and studied uh, endocrinology and neurochem. And then after that, um, I taught for five years um, at a community college. I taught AMP. And then I, I had my Saturn return. I got mono. I quit my job. And I took two years and did things that were radically I went to a yoga ashram and took a Mm. yoga teacher training course Mm. I uh, hiked the Appalachian Trail I I traveled for six months around the country and uh, I I was a rock climber so I just lived out of my car uh, rock climbing and uh, and then it was at the end of all that that I decided to go to herb school so oh I went to massage school at that time too so yeah I have my training in yeah sorry go ahead well, that's just a lot. That's a big, big change. But it also is interesting that <laughs> you've been teaching that long too and, and, and su- studying the body science and so on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's kind of been teaching when people ask me, you know, what are you? What's your career? I, I'm a teacher first. I, I, I've spent the last 30 plus years cultivating that craft. Mm. And then I just get interested in different things and then want to teach it. 
So I'm always led by what I'm curious about. And then, and then other people get to hopefully benefit because I get curious and then want to share that with people. And I have this unique, um, it's not so much unique and as much anymore, but you know, I have the Western science training mm-hmm. and the scientific method training. And then I've also studied, um, with teachers that are more plant spirit medicine teachers like Pam Montgomery and Rocio Alarcon, mm. Tom Brown Jr. I took, I, I studied with him for 10 years and took most of his, you know, more uh, like awareness and healing classes. And so I, I'm really interested in both the science and spirit. You know, my yeah. minor in college was in uh, philosophy of religion. So, mm. yeah. That's really important. It seems like uh, a lot of folks can get too ba- off balance on one side or the other. Um, and it's really good to have both of those working. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that they complement each other. And, and like you said, people can be uh, out of balance and in, in both ways. You know, there can be the scientists that don't recognize or understand the more subtle, just for scientists, this like w- what we call spirit is just things that science hasn't figured out how to measure yet. Right. And, and, and then there can be the other extreme of, you know, really paying attention to the, what I call the indigenous sciences, the spirit part, but not being grounded in what we as Westerners, you know, our major system is science. So it, I, I, I think for us, in this side of the, the country of the globe, it, it's a, it's a nice balance. Yeah. So what, what is your, uh, like spiritual orientation? So you studied, um, yoga at a ashram and you've also studied like plant spirit type courses, but w- for you, what is the spiritual underpinnings of your practice? Mm, that's a great question. I, I would say, uh, kind of two parts. One is I, I tell people I have Buddhist tendencies. <laughs> I really <laughs> like the science of the mind that Buddhism mm-hmm. offers and also very, very much uh, earth-based, earth-based spirituality, mm-hmm. paying attention to the seasons, sitting out in uh, the natural world, feeling the spirit that moves through all things. That That is my my first language. Ah, yeah. The Tom Brown influence there for sure. For sure. Probably. Yeah. 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 I like to, I like to uh, give Tom the credit of being a master map maker. He, ah. he has, he has a beautiful mapping of the spirit world, um, the non-physical world. And uh, yeah, he's, it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you've written a book recently, The Holistic Healing Guide yes. to This. That's really awesome. We have a copy here. We love it. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the book and the inspiration for writing it? Sure. Um, I, I laugh because uh, I, I, it's been over a year since the book has come out, almost a year, and I'm, I feel like I'm still recovering. And I tell people, my friends, that if I ever start talking about writing a book again, you tackle me and tell me no. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. It it so my love affair with cannabis started uh, in my late my early forties. I didn't know this plant, and I decided that I wanted to. Um, get to understand why people were so afraid of this plant. Mm-hmm. So I grew one. And once I grew her the first time, I was like, oh my God, like you can, if you sit with this plant, you know how powerful she is. Yes. And so I then started doing research. And, and at this point, nobody was really talking about cannabis as a medicine in the herbal world. So of course I decided to get as much science as I could. And then I just started presenting at conferences and getting asked to teach at schools about what, and I framed it around inflammation and pain. And, and then from there, she had her own ideas with me. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I, I was putting together, I had like an hour and a half lecture that I would do. And, um, and I was out going for a walk one day 
and just thinking about my lecture and it just like she cannabis just came right in and she was like, yep. And now you're going to write a book. I was like, oh, okay. So and you have a choice. I, yeah, it was, it was a very clear message. It's kind of ironic that it was at the corner of our road where the church is. <laughs> we have this, I live in, in the country and there's this teeny tiny country church. Um, and so I sat with that for a few months and then actually got contacted by Story Publishing. And they said, you know, we were, we're contacting you because we would like you to write this book. And I said, well, that's great because I've already been thinking about writing this book. Wow. So I, I went away for a weekend and, you know, basically wrote up the book proposal and it was really easy. You know, I just felt like it was just coming right through me. Um, and so that was, that was where the inspiration for the book came. And what I wanted was it to be a resource for herbalists, people who make medicine, mm -hmm. people who work at dispensaries who are interfacing with clients all the time. Mm -hmm. I wanted MDs and nurse practitioners to also be able to use it. Like there, the, I, there wasn't something out there that would would be friendly, but with a science base. And so that's that was my goal. It was also my goal that like a mom of a child who was having conditions could get the book and look at it and go, okay, where do I start? You know, so I had a broad reach that I wanted to do. And I actually had to do a couple back and forths with story because they they wanted it just like a certain way. And I said, look, I'm a teacher and I know how to teach to multiple levels. And your job is to help me figure out how to do that as a writer. Yeah. So is that the hard part of writing a book? The hard part. Okay. So now you're going to hear me backpedal. Right? <laughs> okay. The hard part about writing that. <laughs> the hard part about writing that book was that I spent over a thousand hours writing and I would say half of it was doing the primary research. So if you look in the back of that book and you see all those primary journal articles, like I, I'm not a practitioner by trade, I'm a teacher. So when I'm talking in the book about MS, you know, I've got 25 articles that I've read trying to get the best and most up-to-date science about what actually works with people, not mice, not cells. So that's the part that was really hard was just taking all that, reading it all, absorbing it, and then converting it to a usable form. Well, now, if you, thank you. you know, they, they did work. reach out to me later. Yeah. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was the hard part. Mm -hmm. But if you said, Hey, write about the endocannabinoid system or, you know, story did write, reach out to me and say, Hey, do you think about writing a book on growing? That wouldn't, that would be easy yeah. relative to what I just did. Right. Yeah. So that's See, the backpedal. So then uh, you brought up the endocannabinoid system. What is the endocannabinoid system? You know, it's something that is older than the parasympathetic nervous system and the autonomic system and or immune system. And uh, no one really knows about it. Yeah. Isn't that so amazing? Like, I think it's so great that there are still things that we're learning about our body that we don't have at all yeah. figured out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's in the name. And also like, I also, every single class that I teach about cannabis, I always, I don't care if it's only five minutes, talk about the endocannabinoid system uh -huh. because it's really important to understand it and how it relates to us, how can, basically how does cannabis talk to us? It's through the endocannabinoid system. Mm -hmm. So, and it's called the endocannabinoid endo means within cannabis. So the cannabis within and the reason why that, you know, it's not called like our digestive system is not called the endodigestive, right? Because they discovered cannabis, the constituents of cannabis first, and then backtraced it. And we're like, uh, you know, science said, hey, there's this constituent in cannabis that works in us. So we must make something that mimics it or that cannabis mimics in us. Yeah. So that that's endocannabis is the system of cannabis within us. And like you said, it's older 
than the autonomic nervous system. I like to think of it as the wizard behind the curtain. Ah, yeah. It's the system. Yeah, it's the system behind. And, and, and another way to think of it is that it's the tone setter. And at you know, a very simple level layer is this system, when it's intact, says all is well. It's a, it's a system of safety. It says that we're good. Everything's working okay. We're, we're maintaining uh, allostasis. We got everything going on. The world is safe. Mm. And now we can digest our food. We can repair wounds. And so when it's happy, or not, I mean, happy isn't the right word. In when balance. it's healthy and yeah. functioning, uh-huh. it's in balance. Yeah, that, that's the state that we have. And then what and about when it's not? That, what is that? Like? Exactly. So when we have, when we, we are deficient, then we are more, we more easily go into fight or flight. So we're more hair trigger oh. and it's harder for us to recover. So we're, we're heightened. It's basically the state we're in, right? As a culture in the Western world, the US, like, you know, think about all the input from the news and, you know, face crack, like the world is ending. We're all dying. It's just <laughs> getting worse, right? So we're, we're in this heightened state of, of not safe, of danger. Yeah. And that, I believe that is why cannabis is, is showing up right now, not showing up right now, but the, that the culture is receptive to cannabis Yeah, because what she offers as medicine. I've, I've got a question about how does this relate to like, uh, paranoia? Because that seems to be a common, like downside of cannabis use is like paranoid and anxious. Yeah, great. It's it's such a good question. And it's a multi-tiered answer. So the first thing is, so this is a master plant. And what we mean by master plant is that she has the ability to change consciousness. Now you could say all plants have that if you're sensitive enough, but cannabis says, okay, you don't want to be sensitive. Great. We'll, we'll, we'll make you aware, you know, (laughs) so she can shift consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so that's master plant. Tobacco is a master plant. Um, ayahuasca, psilocybin, not a plant, a mushroom, but that would be considered a master. Yeah. Um, so these are, and another word are shamanic plants, right? These are what medicine people have used and use to shift their consciousness to allow healing. So, so there's the first state. So the, when people come to me and they say, well, you know, whenever I work with cannabis, I get paranoid. So the first question I ask is, well, where were you, right? Set and setting. Yeah. Like what, what was your intention when you were working with the plant? You know, if you, you know, work with cannabis and then go into, you know, Walmart, yeah, oh, you're God. not. If she is shifting consciousness, if she is opening up your senses, it's mean to go to Walmart at that time. Yeah. The other place that I feel that people talk about it is like they were in high school, right? Which is already an awkward, paranoid time anyway, right? With all those hormones, we're trying to figure out life and they were at a party. It's like, oh my God, that's, of course you felt that way. Yeah. So there's, right. So there's the first, right? Is like, where are you? What was your intention? Second is dose, If you take a lot of cannabis and you're not used to it, you're going to open way up. And even if you're in the best settings, maybe you weren't planning on being that open. Mm. So there's another. And then the third is strain. And, and, and that is, you cannot say, oh, I hear cannabis is good for blah, blah, blah. And think that every strain will be good for that because that's not true. You can, we, we really need to redefine how we think of cannabis and that she is an apothecary onto herself. All the different strains that are out there or varieties Mm. are, are going to have different effects. Mm. And so there are some strains that are really high in THC and they're really high in terpenes that the mixture, like the, the, um, what, the, the music that is made by the 
this, the singing of all the different cannabinoids and terpenes, that signature is really, really stimulating and maybe too stimulating, which again could cause the paranoia. Gotcha. Yeah. So, right. There's a lot of different uh, factors in there. So if someone says that to me, then I, it, you know, they're like, I want to work with cannabis, but I tend to have these things. I tend to be anxious that I'm like, okay, we're not going to give you the zippy strain, right? We're going to give you a strain that's more calming. Yeah. I have a bunch of questions about cannabis, but um, first going back to the endocannabinoid system in general, are there ways to modulate your endocannabinoid system without cannabis, other herbs or protocols? Sure. Yes. Great question. Um, and what's, what's fun is that the things that we do to um, modulate the endocannabinoid system are almost exactly the same as the things that we do to modulate chronic inflammation. Okay. So if you're a listener and you already know how to modulate chronic inflammation, then you can just apply it to the endocannabinoid system. So for example, the number one intervention is exercise. <laughs> Basically, you come to me with any anything and I go, just go move your body. Mm. Boom. <laughs> right. Exercise actually boosts our endocannabinoids. So great. And boosts like the endorphins, which are our own natural opiates. Oh, were you going to say something? I just, I just love how you say, go move your body kind of instead of exercise too, because exercise yeah. can just feel like a, a chore. You know, it's, yes. you're like, go oh, exercise versus just go move your body. That just sounds like play and fun. You know, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it really, that's exactly why I choose those words. I, I happened to be scrolling through face crack the other day and there was this sponsored video. I loved it of this woman who just had all different shaped people in her video. And she's like, okay, she put on some music and she's like, now just move your arms. And it was just like, she just kept offering suggestions. Okay, now do this one move. And it was just all it kind of play. And we're just moving our body, you know, and give yourself permission. And I loved it. Yeah. So yes, I, I'm all about move your body 45 minutes a day, okay. get your, your, get your heart rate up so much that you can just barely carry on a conversation. Boom. You don't need a Fitbit. You don't need a heart rate monitor. Just go with a friend, barely be able to talk there. You've done okay. it. Cool. <laughs> Number one is exercise. Okay. Number two is, um, and these are not, I mean, number one, there's number one, but other things like we don't have, they aren't necessarily in that kind of order, but increase your omega-3s, Okay. your omega-3 fatty acids. Um, oh my God, I'm having a little brain fart here. Um, what else can you do? Oh, uh, regulate. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that uh, they have found is that people who have have more body fat. So people who tend to be obese mm -hmm. get into a feed forward mechanism that the endocannabinoid system is dysregulated. So one of the things that they have found is that if you start to lose body fat, the endocannabinoid system comes back into balance. Mm -hmm. That's another one. So the omega-3s give you the precursor molecule to build your own endocannabinoids. Mm -hmm. The exercise actually allows you to boost the production of endocannabinoids. All right. What else we got here? Well, are there, are there um, other plants? We'll have them. Sure. There are other plants that, um, that, that bind the cannabinoid receptors, like some of the uh, kava will bind the cannabinoid receptor, but that, that's a little sedating. So not so sure. And it's a, a, an at-risk medicinal. So not sure that's the number one. Echinacea, interestingly, binds the CB2 receptor. Um, they've got some, some other asters bind it. And, you know, this is the big, this is the big CBD. And I'm saying CBD in air quotes because it's all cannabis and the stuff that we call, I don't like calling it CBD. That's just one of its con constituents. Yeah. Another name for it is hemp, mm -hmm. but it's just what I call it is high CBD cannabis. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and the reason why that is taking off right now is because 
this, the, the cannabinoid CBD comes in and it actually boosts the production of your own, own endocannabinoids. And it actually prevents the breakdown of some of your endocannabinoid, uh, of some of the endocannabinoids. So the net effect of CBD is that it, among other things, is that it actually boosts your endocannabinoid, boosts your mood. So that's why it has so many positive effects. Because what, what I didn't get to before is, so yes, the endocannabinoid system is the system of safety, mm -hmm. but it also is the system that shuts down inflammation actively. Mm -hmm. So the binding of the CB2 receptors is what shuts down inflammation. And these, you're, so you have an injury, you release inflammatory chemicals, and then you release the endocannabinoids that shut it down. So when we take high CBD cannabis or even high THC cannabis, it actually is shutting down inflammation. And that's why, you know, the CBD oil can work for so many different things. So I, you know, all you, when you ask, are there other plants? Yeah, there are other plants, but why not go with the high CBD cannabis? You know, it's the number one one that will then go in and bind those receptors and you're not going to be high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes sense to me. We actually had the opportunity to work on a CBD farm or a high CBD cannabis farm uh, two summers ago. And it was really powerful to just like be in the presence of those plants. So you can just like, that's, that's yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah. It's such a powerful yeah. plant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. I was just going to say that, you know, we here at Heartstone, we, uh, this will be our third year this year growing the plant. Mm -hmm. And exactly what you said, like, I love that we have plants in our medicine wheel garden and our apprentices can walk through and hang out with cannabis. You know, I just am like, we have gotten somewhere, right? Where people can just like have a sit or get to walk through the garden every month for six months and get to watch the progression. And she's not hidden you know, we're not afraid that we're going to get arrested. She's just yeah. out mm -hmm. doing her magic. Love that. And I imagine being around, yeah. being around the plant, would you would get some of those terpenes like by smelling them? It's by like forest bait. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. They smell so Yay. good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, just to reiterate a little bit again, what you were saying about. Uh, the difference between THC high or CBD um, high strains or hemp, like they're all the same plant. They're all cannabis, right? So do you want to just break that down? Yes. Um, yeah. Thank you. Sure. Yep. So the, the Latin name is cannabis. And then, you know, through propaganda, right. With the, uh, they started calling cannabis marijuana because that's what the brown people and the Mexican people were right. calling it. And so it started to get bastardized. So that's why I don't use that word. Yeah. Right. But cannabis, the plant started in the mountains around the Himalayas and then basically migrated and branched. And, you know, depending on which taxonomist you talk to, we're not gonna go into all the taxonomy because it's hard to do without a diagram and a wipey board. But basically, you know, there, there, there are um, species of cannabis that are naturally high in CBD. And there are species of cannabis that are don't have either much, and they're usually used for fiber or seed, even though any cannabis plant could be used for seed or fiber. Um, and then we've got the strains, the, the, the species that are, so the cannabis, uh, yeah, I don't want to go into all of that, but then there are in India, so that's where the cannabis indica comes from, right? Mm -hmm. And the the plants there were actually bred for making hash. And so they just wanted plants that were high in resin. Okay, yeah. And it turns out that those plants were actually pretty much equal CBD and THC hmm. because for thousands of years, they weren't testing. The only test they had was, you know, does I, do I get high, right? But it just so happens that those, the cannabis indica happens to be high in both CBD and 
and THC. And then from that, we have a subspecies. Here we go. This is we're going to go into that place. I guess before we go here, if you are a person in the cannabis culture already, mm-hmm. what I'm about to say is taxonomically correct. It is not what the cultural norm is. Okay. And what I mean by that is if you go into a dispensary and you go, hey, I'd like some stimulating cannabis, they will tell you that's a sativa. And if you want a more body, body high, that's not so stimulating, that would be quote unquote, an indica. And that's the nomenclature. That's how people talk about it in the cannabis culture. Right. But if as a taxonomist, as a botanist, that is not correct. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And it's okay. You just have to know what language, who you're talking to, but basically cannabis indica then split And there's the cannabis indica indica, which is the quote unquote indica, the short plants with the broad leaves. Mm. Then there's cannabis indica chinensis. The cannabis sativa that that migrated actually came from China and is a hemp plant. It's actually high in um, CBD. Mm. Back to our indica, cannabis indica afghanica is the one that all is the latest newcomer that came to the US. And I may have gotten that backwards. I think it's cannabis indica indica and then cannabis indica afghanica is the it, yeah, see see what I mean? All right. I have the whiteboard. Re- redo yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the whiteboard in front of me. But basically what I'm trying to say is that cannabis there are different species that have that are genetically bred for more CBD or more THC. And the stuff that we now talk about as more indica or sativa, you know, at this point, everything's been interbred and it's hard to differentiate. And the other thing that is now going to blow people's mind is that if I give you a plant, if I show you a plant that's short and squatty with broad leaves, and we say that's an indica. So you go, I've been to a dispensary. I've been in the cannabis culture. I know that's going to make me sedated. Mm-hmm. And then I give you a tall plant with big internodal spaces and uh, narrower leaves. And we go, okay, that's a sativa. That's going to be zippy, more heady. Here's the thing to know. You cannot look at a plant and know whether it's sedating or stimulating. You can't. Mm-hmm. That is not the determinant of what is stimulating or, or, or sedating. That, that tall plant could be, let's say it's 20% THC, no CBD. The short plant is 20% THC, no CBD. What's the difference? What's the difference is how they smell. Mm-hmm. And how they smell is, how do you get the smell? Is by the terpenes. Mm. And it's the terpenes that determine whether it's sedating or stimulating. And then mind blow, right? (laughs) If you're an aromatherapist, you already understand this, Ah. right? And then going back to your question about, well, you know, are we forest bathing? Are we being impacted? Absolutely, because it's the terpenes that the, the, the little smell molecules that come off the plant, that that molecule talks to the other plants around it it talks to you, it talks to the animals, Mm. right? Not only is it, you know, bitter. And so the deer don't want to eat it, but you smell it and you go, oh my God, I love this smell. What do you want to do with it? You want to cultivate that plant. Mm -hmm. The other thing I love to think about as a, as a, as a being, right? Cannabis is a master plant at propagation, right? She has people all over the world growing her Mm -hmm. in their basement, in their yard, going to jail because, right? Yeah. Think about that. Your potatoes don't have you doing that, right? (laughs) No. Chamomile doesn't have you doing that, but cannabis does. Mm -hmm. I love thinking about that. Totally. So bringing it a little bit from the head to the heart um, and- Okay, good. You're someone that like advocates for the plant for, for cannabis and you really know it well. What are some of the ways that we can interact with cannabis in a respectful way, both as a society and on an individual level? Like what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? You know, how could we do better? 
Great. Love that question. Um, so I guess let's start with as an uh, individual, right? I, I, would, I love the th thought of everybody growing a plant. I, I just love, I think if everybody grew a plant, mm -hmm. the world would be a better place. Mm -hmm. Even if you did nothing else, but then offer the plant back to the ground, mm -hmm. but just getting to live and interact with the plant on a day-to-day -day basis, it, it doesn't have to be cannabis, but if we're talking about cannabis, what a magical thing. So there's, there's that. Then there's like, okay, the next layer out, we're, we're starting to work with this plant as a medicine. And the, you, you've already caught some things in what I've said is like, I will not break it down into the cannabinoids. I'm not going to talk about CBD oil. That's disrespectful as, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I don't, I don't talk about kava lactone beverage. No, I talk about <laughs> kava as a beverage. True. <laughs> right. True. Right. So, so there, and then there's this marketing campaign that's like, well, and it's our Puritan ancestry, you know, in, in the Western world here of like, yeah. we may work with CBD, but we should not work with that euphoric, stimulating aphrodisiac THC. That's just too, too much, right? Naughty, naughty. So exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so the next step is to call her by her name not by her part. Yeah. The second part is to recognize that this is a whole plant that we want to work with the whole plant. So there is the, the, the next layer of being respectful is working with whole plant medicine. And how do you know if your CBD oil is whole plant or not? Smell it. If it doesn't smell like cannabis, then it's isolate or distillate. Okay. And that means that it's basically been uh, processed to its isolated component. And usually the way they're doing that is they're taking less um, quality plants. They're just like, they're taking huge fields of hemp that they've grown and they've chopped it down. They've sent it through a chipper and then they've, you know, they don't care. They're going to extract the whole plant and then they're going to just get it down to this isolated CBD and then get rid of everything else. Mm -hmm. So we are at a crux point where we can use our money and how we buy products. And people, you know, there's this whole, what they're calling the green rush, right? Of everybody's going to grow hemp and then they're going to make millions of dollars and they're just going to pack as many plants as they can in per acre, 1,500 to 2,000 plants per acre. I know one farm that did over 100 acres and couldn't even get it all out of the field. So that's, there's commercial agriculture. They are trying to take commercial agriculture practices and use it with cannabis. And it's just, it may work for a little while, but people who know quality will not settle for that. So when you're buying your medicine, you want it whole plant extraction. You want it to smell like cannabis. You want it to be green. You don't need it gold or clear. So if you're buying gummies and they don't smell like cannabis and they don't taste like cannabis, you know, you're using isolate. And a lot of that comes from China. So how do we stay respectful? I, I, I recommend as an herbalist, grow your own, right? For any plant. And if you're not growing your own, buy from a farmer who loves their plants. So a small farm that is using organic or regenerative practices that is actually trying to work with the land to regenerate the land and is trying to support their family and then pay a fair price. Don't be trying to get the best deal. They just spent six months loving on this plant and pay them for it. So that's, that's like, you know, we're, we're, as we see more and more states becoming legal and the states are trying to figure out how to make their money, you know, like, the other place is now with what they call REC, right? The high THC cannabis. Again, demanding quality, demanding organic. You're going to pay a lot more money at a, at a dispensary. And a lot for most states, there is no regulation about what kind of inputs they're putting into the plant, what nutrients they're feeding, what kind of pesticides, 
what kind of herbicides. And anytime you hear ides, sides, that's a killer, an herb killer or an insect killer. And if they're spraying during flowering, then you're inhaling that when you smoke it. So yeah, that's kind of intense. How do we then? Yeah, exactly. And, and let it. me just, this one last piece <laughs> is, and support women growers, support people of color growers, right? This is, we're at a, we're at this crux point where because it's federally illegal, especially with the high THC, corporations are not able to get a foothold. And that's why we're seeing the delay in getting it legalized is because they're trying to figure out big business, how do they get their, their piece of the pie? And so we can right now change the paradigm and not support big business. So support the, the small people, you know, the small businesses. And, and this is the place. And the people who have been the most hurt by the, the just say no practices have been the people of color, right? So we need to support the people that are in jail or who went to jail, who now the now the, the all the big businesses are trying to make money off, that's not right. It's not fair. Mm -hmm. So that's the way that we also come into right relationship. The, and the last piece, and you can see that I'm very passionate about this, is uh, that if we look at our relationship with tobacco. Mm, yeah. Tobacco is a sacred master plant and, and, and how she, tobacco changes consciousness. Tobacco is the sacred plant that we offer when we are going to harvest other plants. Tobacco is the plant that brings us into right relationship with the natural world. This is a, like, the, the, when people are trying to break their addiction with tobacco, I have them grow tobacco. I have them sit with this plant. She's amazing. And it is because of our lack of right relationship with this plant that addiction happens. And so using tobacco as a commodity, right? Look at the billions of dollars that have been made selling tobacco and all the additives that have been put in and all the disease and death that happen from the additives and not being in right relationship, we are gonna see the same thing progress with cannabis. Mm. That if people are not in right relationship with this plant and then they're using it in ways um, that are not in right relationship and they're getting it with pesticides on it or how it's treated, we're, we're just gonna, we're just going to have the same lesson. We're going to have to learn the same lesson that we had to learn. We're still having to learn with tobacco. Yeah. So what does an individual person's relationship with cannabis look like that's in right relation to it, in your opinion? Great. I, I, I think that it's different for, okay. I, I think that if you're a person, for example, who's in chronic pain, and you're working with cannabis for chronic pain, you might need to be um, taking tincture every day because you have osteoarthritis. You, you know what I mean? Like, so that, or you have seizures. And if you're not working with this medicine, then you're going to have seizures. Like, so there are certain conditions that we're working with cannabis to alleviate pain and suffering that need to be taken on a day-to-day -day basis. One of the biggest, you know, the top five reasons, one of them is anxiety, right? And anxiety right now is through the roof. We know we have endocannabinoid systems that are out of balance. We're living in an environment that actually is toxic physically. Mm -hmm. So yes, our nervous systems are on alert. And in that, for example, that category, like anxiety, cannabis offers a container of safety, whether it's high CBD or high THC, you know, finding the dose, but she offers a container of safety. And then right relationship requires that then from within that container of safety, you do your work, whatever that work is, you develop practices that help you regulate your nervous system, um, therapy, 
you know what I mean? Like it's cannabis is not the only tool in the tube toolbox. Her job is to, she's creating safety for you to do your work Mm. and to, and to, to need less of her as you go. Yeah. I really, and it's, that's not true for every condition, Mm -hmm. but right relationship is saying, okay, I'm given this new container. What are things that I can do to not be in a codependent relationship with this plant? It requires that I be uh, a co-creative in the relationship. And, and that, that, you know, so I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I, I don't work with cannabis uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and the way that she has been my biggest medicine is around my own personal, emotional, and psychological growth. Mm. Is that I will have a set intention and I will have a set time that I will have a ceremony and work with cannabis. I might have my journal, I might drum. Mm. I usually like to be alone and I have a, something that I wanna be looking at or something I need help with. And what I find is that she helps me shift my perspective. Maybe I'm not as defended so that I could actually try something different. Mm. And then my job in right relationship is then to go and put into practice the things that I learned. And it's not fair or right relationship for me to the next day come back and try again, because it's like, dude, you haven't even like figured out what you just learned yesterday. So, so that's a different kind of relationship and not everybody is going to have that kind. So, so I hope I answered the question because I feel like it's multi-tiered, you know, it depends on why you're working with the plant. Right. Definitely. I guess I have one more thing to say. Please. Um, is there's a misunderstanding sometimes about what life is trying to teach us. Sometimes when we're really stressed, life is asking us to change. And if we decide that we are just going to work with cannabis and not feel so stressed, we are missing the opportunity to make a change. Hmm. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, good. That, that really resonates with me too. Like I, I've used cannabis a lot in the past, but I don't, I don't work with her anymore because it's not healthy for me. And, but, yeah. I, but when I was, it was, you know, it was, it was helpful and I learned a lot of lessons. And one of those lessons is how to, um, how to, to do all these things on my own and w- in, with other things. Yeah. With other practices. Yeah. And Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, you know, some of the downsides of cannabis is like they can't interfere. Once you get practices established, um, they can interfere with those in a certain way, especially with like meditation practices and ritual practices. Sometimes um, it's better to, you know, (laughs) have a clear. clear, Yeah, 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 exactly. And I, I, I like to, again, my relationship with the plant is she is my teacher And I would not be knocking on my teacher's door every day because my teacher would be like, dude, go learn what you got to learn and then come back once you've learned a few things. I love that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So for somebody who is maybe feeling like they're dependent on cannabis, um, are there any suggestions for how to come into right relation with the plant that you have? Like any herbal or techniques? Yeah. Yeah. And, And it's good to know. Okay, so here's the thing, right? Anxiety, sleep are the two top two reasons people come to cannabis for medical reasons. And so the thing to know is that when you stop working with the cannabis, one of the side effects of like one of the things that you're going to have to go through is feeling anxious and not sleeping. And so you, it might, you might misunderstand and think that, oh my gosh, I need to take cannabis because I'm now feeling anxious. So one of the things, the strategies of when you're deciding to like take a break from cannabis is that it's going to be a week of feeling some of those symptoms of withdrawal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, restlessness, a little bit of anxiety, sleeplessness, Mm -hmm. but no. And, but for me, it always helps to know, okay, you know, like you just got to get through a week of this. And, and so the herbs that we would help, right. We know that 
milky oats is such a lovely herb. Like if we just think about them for calming, I, I think of it as that mucilage getting on the nerves and just soothing the nerves. Mm -hmm. So milky oats, absolutely a nice strong tea every day. Of course, nettles, who is my second favorite plant. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> right. You and then depending on <laughs> uh, Lisa Ganora, this is the best quote. I, I, I'm going to make a t-shirt, but one day I was sitting in one of her workshops and, uh, and she calls uh, cannabis nettles with benefits. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> so, <good>. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So, so nettles. And, and then I, I, I love, and again, different herbalists love different plants, but um, skullcap. Mm. Skullcap, especially for that busy mind. Mm -hmm. So to help get through that time of the busy mind. Yeah. And then depending on, you know, then, you know, kava might be a good uh, soother. Valerian, again, like my top three that I would say like everybody would be the nettles, the oats and uh, the skull cap. Mm -hmm. And then we would, you know, formulate depending on what other s symptoms are showing up for people. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, when you're talking about herbs and what herbs do best, I think working with sleep and anxiety, it's like herbs really shine in those departments. So exactly. And if, if you can then add exercise mm, okay, yeah, <laughs> into your, we're going to add it everywhere, right? I'm a jock from way back, but exercise. So moving your body, two reasons. One is that it boosts endocannabinoids and endorphins. So you're going to get that feel good. It's going to help you sleep mm. and okay. So that's three and it's going to increase your blood flow. And when you increase your blood flow, you're increasing the blood flow to the liver. So the liver can just be clearing things out. I call it blowing out the carburetors. So, right. You're just cleaning out the system. <laughs> so, so if you, that would be my, my recommendation is those herbs that are going to help and move your body and know that it's the week that you got to get through. All right. Yeah. It's doable. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think that's valuable information. Um, and I just have one other question on, on cannabis and it's on medicine making. And so as we're yeah. seeing a boom in CBD oil and cannabis products, they're expensive, you know, like, yep. so how, how do you recommend, or maybe how do you make your own medicine as an herbalist? And is oh, it yeah. gonna be oil? Is it going to be tincture topical? Maybe just go over um, those options. A little. Sure. Yeah. And this was like, so when I started teaching, right, you know, and I was teaching, when I started teaching about cannabis, I was teaching to herbalists. And, and I would always be like, it's a plant, like it's a herb, you know, you know how to work with this thing, right? <laughs> it has one special step, right? But yeah. other than that, so yeah, like, and, and that's kind of my mission in life is to empower people, right? To in, with knowledge and how to make, like, I have a herb school, right? We teach how to make or make herbal medicine. This is just another one. Mm. And so when I first started researching, I was like, why is, why is it called CBD oil? Yeah. You know, and then I was like, I, at the time, Charlotte's web was the big, like, was the only one out there. And, and I, it was infused in olive oil. I was like, why, you know, like, like, <laughs> I know. Ew. <laughs> you know, it's like, and so people, people are like, Tammy, do you make CBD oil? I'm like, Oh, no, yeah. you know, I make high CBD tincture. Like why Tammy? Because I'm an herbalist. That's how I work. You know, <laughs> but anyway. it's so real, right. You know, yeah. why, why CBD oil? Are they just doing that because they're not herbalists and they don't know what to make, you know? Well, I, so here, here's why. Okay. And it took me a while to figure it out because they are buying uh, concentrated extract. Again, if I just chop down the plants and I put it through, the, even if I, I do CO2 extraction or ethanol extraction, they are making a, a high potency resin oil 
that then they people make that and then they dilute it with olive oil. Okay. What we do as herbalists is we take the flowers. This is why our medicine is better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and farmers who make their own medicine do this as well. Mm-hmm. So I want to, it's not like, I want to be clear about that. But how I teach medicine making is I'm like, get flowers, get the best quality flowers you can. Best quality flowers are going to be ones you grow yourself or someone you know who's a really good grower. Pay the dollars. And I usually say a pound per gallon. That's what I shoot for. A pound of flowers is going to make me a gallon in a gallon jug, right? Mm -hmm. So I, just like with any other plant material, smaller pieces, right? So what I tell people is, is, you know, either grind it up, chop it up, or put it in a Vitamixer, right? Mm -hmm. So the only extra step that is we need to do what's called decarboxylation. We need to activate the cannabinoids in the resin glands. Mm -hmm. So it's really simple. You take your CBD, high CBD or high THC flowers, you put them in a pan. I, I have like the four, the big steamer pans, the four inch steamer pans with a lid. Mm. You put it in there, you put it in the oven an hour and 20 minutes at 250 degrees. And every 20 minutes I walk by and I shake it. I leave the lid on, I take it out. I just shake it, move it around, put it back in at the end of an hour and 20 minutes. It's decarb. Now, now I have active CBD and active THC. I leave the lid on to capture as many terpenes as possible. We're going to lose them because we're heating them. Mm. Then I take that plant material and I put it in the Vitamixer a little bit at a time with a little bit of alcohol so I can chop it all up. And I, or you don't have to, you can break it up with your hands. You put it in your gallon jar. That pound will fill up three quarters. You fill it with alcohol. You let it sit ready, ready. This is always the big freak out for people 30 minutes what? 30 minutes is all you need to- ah, yeah see <laughs> 30 minutes to extract Ooh. now if you learned at herbal school six weeks or a lunar cycle because it's got other magic happening fine you can do that <laughs> and i say to people you don't have to you, you could wait an hour you could be spacious yeah. but that's all that is needed to extract. And you know what? I'm pretty sure it's pretty true for all the other herbs we do, but we won't Evan, go there. I haven't yes, tested that. Seven Song did, said that too. He was like, I've noticed over yeah. years of making tinctures that really within the first day, it's like the same color. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that, you know, he yeah. did that too. Yep. And this, you know, what I'm telling you about the 30 minutes has actually been confirmed in three different labs. Cool. So we got science. Um, so then at the end of that hour, lunar cycle, whatever you're doing, you strain it, you compost the plant material. I usually strain it through a a strainer, you know, like a tea strainer, let it sit for a day. And then I also strain it through a coffee filter. So that'll get rid of the sludge. Mm. Um, and, and now you have your tincture and, and that formula one pound per gallon is about uh, a 600 milligram bottle, right? That's one of the ways you buy high CBD is like that the low end is usually $40 is 300 milligrams, Mm -hmm. 50 to $75 is 600 milligrams. And then at 12 to $1,500, it's $120. You in your kitchen can make easily 600. You probably could do a thousand. And the cost of a pound of flowers, someone just asked me um, for organic smokable grade, high CBD flowers, 600 to $1,600. So let's say you pay $1,000. Okay. Mm. That's high end, but you pay the farmer, the farmer's like, woohoo, right? You make your gallon, let's say you get 100 ounces. How much money do you have to charge to make that thousand dollars, ten dollars a bottle? Yep. You can bet that these big companies are not paying a thousand dollars a pound. Oh no. So there's the easy math. If that, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. So now you go, well, I want to do topical. Mm-hmm. So just do the same thing, but do it in oil. So you I 
I have done both ways. These are like, you're getting the, the juicy, you know, results here that have tried and true. I decarb my flowers first, and then I heat extract in the olive oil. Okay. Usually if I'm trying to decarb and heat extract in the olive oil, you don't get as much extraction. So you do the same process, decarb it, put it in olive oil. And then if you like to solar infuse, do that. If you do it in a crock pot, do that, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Boom. There it is. Sweet. That's wonderful. And then you also mentioned too, um, that if you want the terpenes, you can kind of do like the way we do mushroom medicine, where you need to do a double extract to get some constituents. You could do another tincture that doesn't have decarboxylated flour and then combine them. Exactly. Or you could do it a third way, which is don't heat it like you're saying, and then let it sit a year. Oh, about about a year and a half to two years at about a year and a half, it starts to start to decarb because decarboxylation is time or temperature. Okay. So you could let it sit for a year and then just make tincture out or a year and a half, two years, and then just make tincture out of it and it's ready to go. Cool. Yep. Well, we've talked a a lot about cannabis, which is great. Um, I don't think we're going to get to the gut health this, uh, this time. (laughs) That's like a whole other episode. So maybe yeah. we'll have. To go yeah. yeah. Um, but do you think you could talk a little bit about some of the courses that you're offering and your herb school? Sure. So normally we have our in-person herbal apprenticeship and we have made the hard decision this year to not, to not have it. So that's a little sad, but that's usually like, that's a program where we meet once a month for six months. Um, so that's one program. And then I, I have a whole online life of, I have anatomy and physiology online. I have a, a, like a, a kind of an advanced anatomy and physiology called transition zones. And then I have a whole cannabis track. And, uh, and because of the legalities, you won't find that, <laughs> those words. So I have a medicine making course that, you know, you can buy at any time, but I, in the fall, I do this after I've harvested, I do a whole launch in late October where people can buy what we call the package where they get the, the online medicine making course. And then as a free quote unquote bonus, they get four ounces of flowers and a, a vial and a coupon to do a test to have their medicine tested at a lab. And, 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 I, and basically what I do is I have a month of Q and A's, weekly Q and A's where I can teach a little and answer questions about making medicine. So that happens in October. But at the end of this month in March, I, this will be my second year launching what, uh, what we just call grow. It's a grow course. And, um, and this is last year, it was my favorite class. I had so much fun, but again, the teachings are online and we start in April and we start with, um, as a free bonus for joining the course, you get 24 uh, different varieties of uh, high CBD cannabis. And, um, and then I take people through from the seeds to harvest and drying in October. Wow. And we have a mighty network so people can interact in a safe place where Big Brother isn't watching. And and what's great about it is people have me on tap to answer questions. And sometimes when you're growing things, you're like, holy shit, I don't know what this thing is here. And it <laughs> could be very bad. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. Like, it's so sweet. You know, like people were posting pictures. These are my seven plants and they had them named and they had little oh, crystals. Oh, oh. And, <laughs> and, so and when we got to the part where people had to like cage them or stake them, you know, like some of the creative pictures that were showing up was so, <laughs> it was so great. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, that's the big one that's coming up that I'm excited about. And, uh, and I, um, I made a little video for this podcast that if people go to my website, tammysweet.com backslash grow, it's a little hidden page and I just did like you know eight common things to think about when you're growing and I also put a resource list there 
because it's just like, it's so fun. And one of my favorite quotes from my book is, you know, uh, cannabis is a gateway into herbal medicine. So <laughs> That's um, great. I think yes. cannabis is also, yeah. And cannabis is also a gateway into gardening. So yeah, yeah. definitely taking the transition zones class right now. And I just want to say that it is awesome. Like as an herbalist, I've oh, good. Had some training in anatomy physiology, you just take it to a whole other level and your story and the way that you can, uh, you convey this information that seems unaccessible. You make it really accessible with your amazing drawings and the stories that you give. So I'm just like super grateful for, and I recommend everybody both check out your classes and get your book, the holistic healing guide to cannabis, which you can get right from your website as well. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Oh yeah. I was just going to say, I also have a couple of webinars. Like I have one this Thursday um, and this Thursday it's going to be on innate immunity. And this to me is a, like a community service kind of webinar, just because people are starting to think about whether they should vaccinate. And what made me think of it is that I'm, I'm looking at my slide deck for it and it has some of my drawings of the mm. different cells, which are hysterical. So. They're great. <laughs> so great. So that'll be Thursday, March 11th, the day after this will come out. So that's good to know. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Tammy, for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah it's been great. Hope you have a good, good afternoon. All right. Awesome. Ciao.